Man, it is so, so good to see you. Can we get for our worship team? Aren't they amazing every single week? We love you guys so much, man. I said this last, it's so good to have a, a worship team that doesn't sing to us, but sings to Jesus. And their heart is shown through that. And we're so thankful every week at all of our campuses that we have the opportunity just to be led in such a, such a uh, posture of humility. I have someone who just really loves and loves Jesus and wants to see Jesus. So man, it's just, it's so thrilling to have, uh, to be part of the team. I do be part of this team, especially not I'm part of the worship team because y'all don't want me to sing, but part of the team here to be able to see what God is doing even behind the scenes. It's so, so good. Well, man, we're so excited about this series of the Holy Spirit. And if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter three. Hang out right there. I'll catch up with you there in John chapter three. But last week we, we talked about uh, who is the Holy Spirit. And so we kind of connect with God the Father a little bit because we think about a father figure. We think about God the Son. Okay, Father, Son, I kind of get that. But what is a spirit? You know, what, how, how do I relate to the spirit? And last week we talked about a core doctrine that we hold here at Better Life Church, and it's called the Trinity. And the Trinity word is not used anywhere in the Bible. You can't find the word Trinity, but you can see the triune God. What that means is we believe there's only one true God but it represents the three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. For my King James people out here, the Holy Ghost, okay? You know what I'm talking about. So we got the, whole, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so our minds, honestly, just be completely honestly, cannot fathom how there could be one God, one true God, and yet three distinct. And so there's no really way for us to even completely understand it, but that doesn't mean by faith we can't receive it because we see the triune God all through the scriptures, even in the Great Commission when he says, go and baptize people in the name of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we, we see this through the text, and we talked about how the Holy Spirit is God. So if you missed last week, and that, and that just uh, piques your curiosity, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. It's online, it's on YouTube, you can check it out. But Jesus made this statement. He said, this, I'm going to go away, and if I go away, I'm going to send to you a helper, an advocate, a comforter, a counselor, and that word advocate, we don't really have an English translation for it. It literally means this, that Jesus says, I'm going to go away, and if you remember last week, the disciples were petrified. The Bible says that they troubled, they shook within their core, they panicked in their heart because Jesus was leaving them. Well, wouldn't you? I mean, you walked away from your family business, you walked away from your livelihood, you walked away from family to follow Jesus, and now he's leaving? But Jesus says, if I go, I'm gonna send to you a helper, someone, and here's what it literally means, someone who comes along beside of you, who's in you, and he will guide you into the truth of the things of God. And so Jesus says, I'm gonna go, but it's best that I go so that you can have the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, how do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? Like, like if God is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is God and God is living within me, he comes in my life, then, then why do I still have these crazy thoughts? Then why do I still blow it? And why do I still sin? And why do sometimes I do things that I don't wanna do? If God is in me, the Holy Spirit's within me, then why do I struggle with this Balance. If you remember last week, I made the comment that isn't it sweet when, when you hear a child or, not, or a young kid, they come up to you and they say, hey, I just wanna let you know that I asked Jesus into my heart. And I mentioned that last week. So it means it's so precious. Well, this Monday, I received a text from my niece. She's eight years old. And uh, my wife and I were in this text. And here's what she says. She goes, hey, this is Maggie. And I just want you to know that I, I asked Jesus into my heart and I'm glad I did. Smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. 
And that's just the sweetest thing ever. And, and then she says, also, show Sadie this text when you get a chance to do that. Bye-bye. And I said, okay, we'll show Sadie, her, her cousin, that. And then at the end, we responded to her how proud we are and how excited. You know, she asked Jesus in her heart. And she goes, hi, heart face, I love you. And so it's just so sweet to hear that. But that is biblically and theologically true, that when we give our life to Jesus, he actually comes and lives within us. And if God is in me through the power of the Holy Spirit, then why am I still so jacked up? Why am I still messed up? Why do I still blow it? Why do I still sin? And how, how, do, I, how do I avoid this? And so we're gonna talk through that through this series as we continue to walk out the Holy Spirit who comes beside us. In fact, there's a few things that we look at the Holy Spirit that does today. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, teaches us God's truth. Have you ever been just reading through your Bible and, and you're in the Bible and next time those things begin just to come off the page to you and it teaches you? Like something, oh man, you have one of those like aha moments. Like, oh God, that is so good. God, thank you for speaking to me. That is the Holy Spirit leading you into all truths. He's leading you into understanding who God is. And I do believe that, you know, when you first get saved, obviously, we're just trying to figure this out and you grow and you mature in your faith. God's Spirit even testifies to the truth. You know, a lot of times people, they'll come up to me after I preach and say, yo, pastor, he said, um, have you been reading me on Facebook? Like, have you been following me around? Have you been reading my mail? Because you're preaching right at me. Like, you are talking directly to me on Sunday morning. I'm like, first of all, no, I've got too much to do to surf and follow you on Facebook, number one. <laughs> number two, like, there's gonna, but when, when that happens to you, when you sense that, I'm gonna hear you too, that is not me. That is the Holy Spirit who's testifying to God's truth, who either convicts you or convinces you or helps you or shows you the things you need to do or stop doing. Because the reality is I can't, I can't change you. I can't even change myself. I can't even save you. I can't even save myself. I do not, I do not have the power to make children of God. That's only the spirit. But boy, I love being in the birth room. You know what I'm talking about? I love being in the delivery room. I love seeing the spirit of God move and come upon people and God radically save and change their life. Like, I love that. I love seeing people give their life to Jesus. I can't save them. I can't even save myself. But I love being there. I love watching God move in people's lives and radically changing them and saving them. And then it says the Holy Spirit guides us. You know, for you, you're gonna be making decisions in your life. God, should I go to this college or this college? Should I have this job or this job? Should we move to this city or that city? God, is it time to have kids or not have kids? God, should I retire or not retire? Should I change this? And so the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes along and he guides us in the purposes of God. He guides us into the will of God, which means if we will just surrender and submit to him, okay, that's a few more Sundays away. If we would do that, then guess what happens? The Holy Spirit will guide us and the Holy Spirit will never lead you astray. He will never lead you astray. He's never gonna say, I'm gonna take you down this path because I remember what you did in middle school and I'm gonna get you back what you did in middle school and I'm gonna take you through hell to get you to where I wanna be. <laughs> no, that is not God. God says, I have a path for you and I have a plan for you and if you'll yield and trust the Holy Spirit, you will walk out the perfect will of God in your life. You'll walk out what I want for your life. That's why we submit and yield to the Spirit. Again, that's a few Sundays down the road. Here's another thing that I think is fascinating. You ever feel alone? You ever feel like, does anybody even care? Does anybody even recognize? Does anybody even notice? You're all alone. Do you know what the Bible says? It says that the Holy Spirit prays for us. Now you imagine that, that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you, prays for you. 
So when you feel alone and you feel like no one cares and you feel like no one's ever listening, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Like that should bring you hope. That should bring you courage. That should bring you confidence knowing that the Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf. And then here's something I know about every single one of us. If it's not already happened, it will happen. In this world, you'll face trouble. You will face sorrow. You will face pain. And you will face suffering. It's coming. Every one of us. And that's why God said, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit who is your comforter. And it's in those times with God's supernatural grace and mercy who comes along beside you in your suffering, in your pain, in your misery, in your trouble, who leads you, guides you, and comfort you. In fact, there's sometimes in our life we can't even hear God's voice until we really are in suffering mode, when we really begin to face pain. Because when we begin to suffer and face pain, here's what realizes in our life. One, life is short. Two, my mind's been distracted. This is what's really important in my life. And three, God, where are you? Will you speak to me? Will you talk to me? And it's through the midst of suffering, most of the times, we begin to tune in to the voice of God in our life. And God used the pain and used the suffering to help us hear his voice. And then today, what I really wanna focus on, one of the things is how the Holy Spirit convicts us. You know, when you mess up, when you blow it, you said something you shouldn't have said, you did something you shouldn't have did, you looked at something you shouldn't, or you thought something you shouldn't have thought, and all of a sudden you're like this, man, you have this conviction within you. It's God's kindness that leads us to this conviction. That is evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. If you continue to sin and you have no conviction whatsoever in your life, then the Holy Spirit of God is not within you. Because the Holy Spirit will convict you when you sin or when you go left or right, when you get off the path of God's will for your life, which is evidence, and we'll talk about that, how do I know that I'm truly saved? That's one part of the evidence in our life. And so Jesus says in John 16, verse seven, he says, I'm gonna go away, and it's best that I go away, for if I go away, I will send the advocate. He also says in verse eight, and he will come and he will convict the world of their sins and God's righteousness and the coming judgment that's about to come. And so for the next few moments, I wanna speak to you about one of the roles of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit, and that is the Holy Spirit saves us. The Holy Spirit, as my little niece, eight-year-old niece, asked Jesus in her heart, Jesus saved her. Now, when you, when you hear someone say, hey, I got saved when I was at church camp, I got saved in Sunday school, I got saved at church, what do they mean when they say they got saved? Saved from what? Like, what do you mean that you have been saved? Well, first, saved from my sins, because my sins is what condemns me, which means this, if I am not saved from my sins, that means I'm gonna face the wrath of God, and God's gonna pour out his wrath upon me. And so when I tell people I've been saved, what I'm saying is I've been saved from the wrath of God. God poured out his wrath on his son in my place. He became my substitute. But God will pour out his wrath upon everyone who rejects him as the Lord and Savior. And so when I tell people I got saved, what I'm saying is I got saved from God's wrath that's gonna come someday. Jesus took my punishment. Jesus took that, my place. In fact, I will never, ever face God's wrath because Jesus took it for me. Someone should have said amen right there. But he took my place. And so when you tell someone you got saved, that's what you're saying. I'm saved from the wrath of God that's gonna come. I've been saved from that. It's, it's passed over me because Jesus took my punishment. He took my place. You know, when I was in, when I was in a little boy, I used to lay there at night and I said, God, if you're real, would you make it thunder? Like, like, God, if you're real, would you do something like so I could hear what's lightning to shoot across the sky? I remember going outside at nighttime, looking up at the sky, and I said, God, if you're real right now, make a shooting star go right by, right now, right now, go, go. 
And I would say, I mean, I know, laugh at me, pray for me, okay. And I would start to say, go. And I would see if there's a shooting star go by. And if I really would just think about it, God's like, you don't need to see a shooting star. Just look at the stars. Like, that's all you need to see. Look at my creation. You know there has to be a creator. If there's a creation, there's a creator. If I didn't know that, I didn't rationalize that. And so I would say, God. And then I, and then I never doubted God. I believe there was a God. God. I never said there's no such thing as God. I believe, but I delayed. And I remember in high school and college, I said, here's what's gonna happen. When I graduate college someday, I'll get married and I have kids, and then I'll get my life right. And then I'll get into church, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get saved. I knew enough about church, I knew a little bit about it, and I knew that, hey, someday down the road, I'll be able to live out the Christian life, so when I get out of college, I'll get saved, as if I can choose when I get saved. In fact, I'm gonna go as far and say this, you will not get saved when you choose to get saved when you want to get saved. The only way you could ever be saved, according to the scripture, is that when God the Father begins to draw you to himself, and when God draws you and opens up your heart, opens up your eyes, then you will have the opportunity to be saved. I thought, I'll get saved when I wanna get saved. Nuh-uh, I'll get saved when God's drawn me. And this is what's so fascinating about it. How do you know that God's drawn you? You would not even be here this morning if the Spirit of God would not brought you here. How do I, there's nothing within our flesh that makes us want the things of God. For you just to get up this morning with your questions, with your doubts, with your pains, with your sorrow, whatever you have, for you to get up, get ready to come to a place to hear God's word, to sing praises to God, no matter what's going on in your life, that should encourage you that God has drawn you to himself and working in your life or you wouldn't even be here. So that should be exciting. So no matter what you're facing in your life right now, it should lift up your head and go, God, you must be doing something in my life because I'm doubting or I'm questioning. I don't feel it. I don't know if you're real. I have all these questions. Just for you to be here means this, that God has drawn you to himself. Because nothing within us wants the things of God with apart from the spirit of God moving in our life. So when you get to say, you know what? I think I should start reading my Bible. Who's doing that? You know what, I think I'll be, I need to start praying about school. I need to start praying about what God's gonna do in my life. I need to really start depending on him. Where's that come from? Hey, you know what, I heard about church stuff and I don't know if I believe all this, but I'm gonna get up and get ready. I'm gonna go check it out. Who, who did that in you? Hey, you know what, I think it's time I need to get my life right with God. I need to, I need, I need to get my life right. I, need, I, I understand now what it means to, to be saved. Where's that coming from? I can't save you. The church building can't save you. The awesome guest service team cannot save you. Where does that even come from? That comes from the Spirit of God moving in your life, which should bring encouragement and excitement to you that God is with you, he's for you, not against you, and that you should respond today because the author of Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. You are not promised tomorrow. So if God is doing anything in your life and drawing you to himself, you need to respond to that. Respond to that as the Spirit of God draws you and saves you. So with that, there's a story to build on that I wanna share in John chapter three. There's this guy, and I've, I've shared this story before, but there's one spot I really wanna emphasize on, and you've heard this if you've been around church before about this guy named Nicodemus, but in John chapter three, there's this guy named Nicodemus, and probably, arguably, potentially, the smartest Jew alive at this point. 
Like this is the guy who, when you think about the Old Testament, he knows everything about, knows everything the prophet says. And we have chapters and numbers. They didn't have chapters and numbers. They had papyri and had Hebrew words all over it, all the way down, all the way down, and just running on sentences, keep running, running. There's no paragraphs, there's no breaks, there's no numbers, there's no chapters. They had the prophets, they had the law, they had the first five books of the Bible, they had this stuff, and this guy had it all memorized. There was not one jot nor tittle that he didn't know where it was at in the Hebrew brush of the language. He knew every single thing about it. In fact, he became the teacher of Israel because of that. Probably, arguably, maybe the smartest Jew living at this time. And his name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus has this amazing encounter. He's a, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee. He went through all the Jewish training. The one, the wisest, if not the wisest Jew living in the city at this time. And I want you to listen to the encounter he has with Jesus. Verse one. Now a certain man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Let me just pause there. What does that mean? Member of the Jewish ruling. This is the guy who fasted twice a week. He set aside food so he can get before the for God and make sure that his heart was right with God. He tithed every single week. In fact, he didn't even tie his money, he tied everything, his spices, his, his crops, everything. He, he wanted to make sure that he gave 10% of everything that came to him away, everything. He tithed every single week. He prayed every day, numerous times a day. Why? Because he wanted to please God. He wanted to do the things that God wanted. He wanted to obey the law, and he said, if I do these things, then God will be pleased with me. So if I do good works, God will be pleased with me. So I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna tithe, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna meditate, I'm gonna be the teacher of Israel, and I'm gonna do everything that God wants me to do. He's not, he's trying to be mean. He's not trying to say I'm better. He's like, I, I, wanna, do, I wanna do whatever it takes to please God. And he finds his way talking with King Jesus, but he didn't see him as a king. In fact, he only saw him as a rabbi. Look at verse two. So Nick, Nick came to Jesus at night. This was the first Nick at night, by the way. I just make sure you're awake this morning. And he said to him, Rabbi, because he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's a rabbi. They saw him as a rabbi. Look what he says. We know that you're a teacher who has come from God. You're a great teacher. You have to be from God. How do you know I'm from God? Look what he says. For no one could perform the miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. So he comes at night because he's hiding from the other Jewish leaders. He doesn't want to be seen. And so he's here at night going, yo, Jesus, like, where do you get your power, man? Like, we know you're from God because look at all these miracles. I mean, you're, you're performing crazy miracles. We heard about you. I need to know more about this because it kind of goes against... What I've been thinking, you know, I'm trying to do everything that's right with God. You're preaching a different kingdom and you're baptizing people and you're doing these miracles. Wait, wait, I just want to do what God wants to do, but obviously you're from God or you couldn't do what you do. So there's a conflict with my thoughts and I'm seeing you. I got to figure this out. So in all trueness and honesty and sincerity, he's really wanting to know who you are and, and what's to come. Look what Jesus says. Let's get to the point. Verse three, I tell you the truth, unless a person is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this, Nick knows what he's talking about. Like, okay, wait, wait. So what do you mean be born from above? How are you born from above? How does that even happen? And you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nick's like, man, I'm not trying to be rude here, but I am like uh, one of the wisest, if not the wisest Jew. I'm the teacher of the law of the Israelites. And um, what do you mean that I can't see the kingdom of God? Like I'm a Jew, man. Like that's just like, like guaranteed like, Judaism 101, I'm a Jew, I'm gonna see the kingdom of God, and I'm doing everything God wants to do. I'm fast, I'm praying, I'm tithing, I'm going to the synagogue, you know, I'm doing everything he wants me to do. What do you mean I, I'm not gonna be able to see the kingdom of God unless I'm born from above? What does that even mean? Look what Nick said, his interpretation. 
How can a man be born when he's old? So obviously Nick's talking about himself because Nick's an old man. Now watch this, this is fascinating. You just can't make this stuff up, y'all. You just can't make this up. Look what he said. Can he not enter into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Can he? Like, I mean, come on, man. Is that not hilarious? So Nick's like, wait, to be, I gotta be born again? So how in the world as a grown man I'm gonna get back in my mom's womb and I'm gonna be born again? The same? Is that not hilarious? You can't make this stuff up, man. This is like so funny. Like the Bible's not born, you're born. You know what I'm saying? Like this is unbelievable. Like this is hilarious. How can I get back in my mom's belly and be born again? That's just not possible. And know what's crazy about it? He really believed in the miracles of God so much through Jesus. He believed he could do it. Is that not crazy? He really believed that it could even happen. Can, can, he, can, can you perform that miracle? How's that even happen? Verse five, I tell you the solemn truth, unless a person is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What's born of the flesh is flesh connected to water, and what's born of the spirit is spirit connected back to the spirit. So what is he saying? Listen to me. Nick, listen. You've been born below human in your flesh. But Nick, you've got to be born again if you wanna see the kingdom of God. So you've been born from below, you gotta be born from above. You've been born with flesh, your mother birthed you, but you gotta be born of the spirit. You gotta be born from the spirit. And this is his, this, he can't get his mind around. How do you be born from the spirit? Nick, here's what I mean. I want you to have two birthdays. See, I have two birthdays. On April the 26th, 1977, I was born. September the 2nd, 1997, 20 years later, I was born again. I have two birthdays. I was born from below, but then I was born from above. You know, a long time ago, and maybe you still say it, people used to say all the time, it came this real famous statement called YOLO, right? Everybody's tagging YOLO, like you only live once, right? YOLO, you only live once, jump out of an airplane. No, that's stupid. Like, who does that, right? You only live once, just repel off this rock. That's stupid. No, who does it? It's like YOLO became the, like this hashtag for you to do something, crazy, radical, audacious thing that you could die from, you know? Like, no, like you only live once, let's just like, you know, eat kale, <laughs> you know? Like, let's try it, right? You know, YOLO, like, what does that even mean? And the reality is that's true for some, but not for believers. Because we don't live once, we live twice. You see, when you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you live once, but you die twice. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you die once, but you live twice. Now, what do you mean by that? If you've, put your, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're born from the flesh. You're born right from below. But then someday you will die. Every one of us physically, that's gonna happen someday. And the Bible talks about it. It's, it's a passageway. And for the believer, listen, it's, it's the next step into our journey with Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, you die physically, but then there's a second death, you'll die spiritually. And the Bible says at that point is where God would separate people who didn't rejected him, and they would cast them into a lake of fire, a place that's called hell, and this is called in the scripture the second death. And so you live once, but you die twice. But if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're born again, guess what? You die once, but you live twice. You live here now and you live forever in eternity with Jesus. And if you wanna take it a step further, there's two types of families that we see in the text, in the scriptures. There's those who put their faith and trust in Jesus and adopt into the family. You know, you hear people say all the time, well, this religion goes to this God, and this religion goes to this God, and Christianity goes to this God, and at the end of the day, they're universal. We kind of all get to the same place. We kind of have whatever spiritual power you want because we are all God's children. That's a lie. We are not all God's children. We're all God's creation. 
What makes us God's children is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and we're adopted into the family. That makes me his child. And so there's a passage that Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, there's another family. In fact, you are children of your father, the devil. And he's a liar and he's a father of lies. And Jesus made a distinction there. There's another family. There's those who are in the family of God and then those who are in the family that follow after the devil. Now, I know what some of you think. You're like, man, I, I'm not saved or nothing, but man, I'm not like a bad person. I'm not a devil worshiper. I'm not saying that you're a bad person. That's not what I mean when I say that. What I'm saying is you're a lost person and you need to be found by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And here's the crazy thing. You have a choice today. What family are you gonna be part of? King Jesus, is he gonna be your Lord and Savior or are you gonna follow after the enemy? It's a choice. There's a distinction. And so that only happens when the Spirit of God regenerates us, draws us to the Father. And when, we, when the Spirit moves in our lives and draws us, then we get a chance to respond. That's why I would encourage you, that's why every single Sunday I beg you to give your life to Jesus. How does God draw people to himself? How does that even happen? How does the Spirit of God draw? What if you kept reading on the verse, on verse 45 of John, it went on and says this. It comes when people hear and learn about God, which means this, from the preaching of God's word, when you preach God's word, the Spirit begins to draw people. That's why every Sunday you come here, we're gonna open up our Bibles and preach what God says in his word because this is the only power that can change you. And so when you open up the Bible, it's the power of God that begins to draw you. You could do this on your own. When you open up the Bible and read it, it's so powerful. It's living, it's active. The Holy Spirit begins to convict you and, and draw you and show you and, and lead you and guide you. That's why the enemy wants to keep you from this book because he knows the power of the pages. He knows the power of the Spirit and God's Word because when you get in God's Word, the Spirit will guide you in all truth and guides you in your life and draws you to the Father. Jesus says, if the Son of Man be lifted up, if Jesus is lifted up, he would draw men and women to himself. Every single week we lift up Jesus. And every single week God is changing people's lives. And it's not, I can't do it. The building can't do it. That is the power of the Spirit of God moving. It's the Spirit that saves you. So here's my question. If the Spirit saves me and lives in me, could I ever get to the point in the, my life where the Spirit leaves me and I lose my salvation? Has there ever a point in my life where I just keep on sinning where God just kicks me out of heaven or out of the Lamb's book of life? That God says, no, you no longer can be part of the family. I'm gonna kick you out of the family of God. Maybe you've had that thought before. Maybe you thought, man, if, I need to get saved again, which asks the next question, if I can lose my salvation, can I be resaved? Can I get born again again? How does that work? Is it even possible? And I know we have so many different backgrounds and so many different ideas and so many things, thoughts in our mind, like, you know, well, here's one thing I thought, but here's how I feel, but here's what I was taught. And so if you've ever had that question, can I lose my salvation? And if I do lose it, can I get resaved again? If you've ever thought that before, if you have anybody in your life that you've ever walked that out before, I wanna encourage you to come back next week because that's the question I'm gonna answer. Can you lose your salvation? And if so, how many sins do you have to commit before God kicks you out of the family? And if I am kicked out, can I ever get back in the family? If so, how do I get back in? If you've ever had that thought, 
If you ever felt that way, I wanna encourage you, next week we're gonna unpack that and look what God says in his word when it comes to that topic. Verse seven, do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born from above, Nick. The wind blows wherever it will and you, you'll hear the sound of it makes, but do not know, but you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nick, listen, <laughs> the Spirit of God blew you in here tonight. See, you didn't know where it was coming from. You didn't know what was going on. And there's a, there's a Hebrew word play here from Ruach and Numa and with Jesus. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt that Nick's mind went to Ezekiel chapter 37. If you ever read that before, you should read it. Because it's a powerful picture of this valley of dry bones and they were dead. And then the wind, the spirit, the Ruach come and it fills the bones and it puts sinews and flesh back on and it builds his arm up and the spirit breathed life into the dead bones into the dead. It's crazy. I wouldn't read it to your kids. Maybe around Halloween, pretty crazy. And all these dead bones gets up and it's this powerful army. And I know Nick's picture of the wind blowing and coming and, and vitalizing, revitalizing this dead army. There's no doubt because he knew the text. He knew the scripture. He knows the story. But Jesus like, Nick, that same wind, that same power, that same spirit blew you here tonight. Unless God's working in your life, Nick, you don't seek the things of God. And so Nick, guess what? He, you need to be born from above. You need to be born again. In fact, that's the reason why you're here, Nick. That's why you sought after me. Because my heavenly father is drawing you to himself. And then look what Nick says in verse nine. How can these things be? How can this be? I, my whole mind, my whole world, my whole thought was you gotta work for salvation, work for the kingdom, work to be saved, be good, check the box at tithe, go to synagogues, pray fast, all these things. I've sacrificed, I've given, I've done everything according to the law and now you're telling me that's not enough. You're telling me I'm not good enough and I am the teacher, man. I am the one who teaches people this. How can this be? How is this even possible? Look what he says in verse 10. Are you the teacher? You see that definite article? He's not a teacher of Israel. He's the teacher. He's the one, he's the chief teacher of teachers. This guy is Yoda to the Jedi's, okay guys? Like this is the teacher of Israel. This is the one. He is the teacher. And look what he says. And yet you do not understand these things? How do you not understand this? You know the Old Testament background. Don't you see it was all point to me? Don't you see my father working in your life and bringing you here? Don't you see the ruach, the wind that blew you in? Don't you see? You're the teacher, man. You should get this. You should know this. Verse 11, so I tell you the truth. We speak about what we know and testify what we have seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. And if I told you the people about earthly things and you don't believe, how in the world would you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except for the one who has descended from heaven, which is the Son of Man, which is a messianic title, which was Jesus talking about himself. And then Jesus gives him looking backwards at Moses and looking forward to his death. Look what he says. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, Jesus, the Messiah, must be lifted up on the cross so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And immediately Nick knows the story. Because in Numbers chapter 21, as we finish here, in Numbers chapter 21, the Israelites rebelled against God and God allowed these poisonous snakes to come into the camp. And the poisonous snakes begin to bite the Israelites and few of them begin to die. So they cry out to God, God help us, God save us, we're sorry, we've rebelled, we repent. 
God says, okay, Moses, see that bronze? Turn it into a bronze serpent. Put it on a pole. Put it in the ground. Raise it up. And if any Israelites is bit by a snake, allow them to walk in front of that bronze snake and look at it, and if they look at it, they will be healed. You see, Nick, there was a poison running through the camp, and it's gonna kill all the Israelites. And the same way, Nick, there's a poison that runs through your veins, and it's called a sinful nature, and it's sin. And that sin is going to kill you you will die spiritually. That's why you gotta be born again. That's why you gotta be born from above. That's why you need to be born of the Spirit. So in the same way, the Son of Man is gonna be set on a pole, on a tree, on a cross, and will be raised and lifted up. And if you'll put your faith and trust and walk by that cross and you see Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in him, it will deliver you and heal you from the poison that runs in your veins which is your sinful nature. So Nick, don't miss this when I say that you gotta be born again. You gotta be born of the Spirit. You need to be born from above. And you don't know, but the Father has sent me because I know, I know his mind went to Deuteronomy. There's no doubt. Nick's mind went to Deuteronomy. It says anyone who's killed and hung on a tree or on a pole is to be cursed. And Jesus is like, Nick, here's what you understand. My curse is your cure. Because as the Son of Man will be lifted up, if you'll put your faith and trust in me and you believe, you will be saved and you will have eternal life and you will see the kingdom of God that you preach about, that you teach about, that you think about every single moment of your life. How bad do you want it, Nick? Will you come after me. And then, if you know the story, fast forward all the way to John chapter 19, Jesus is arrested and he's crucified. And it's almost six o'clock on a Friday. And the six o'clock begins the Sabbath. Well, the law requires you cannot handle a dead corpse on the Sabbath, you can't work, you can't do anything, starting at six o'clock on Friday night until 6 p.m. on Saturday night. That was their days, the Jewish calendar. And so now here Jesus has gave up his spirit. He's dead, he's hanging on a cross. How can we give him the proper burial? How are we gonna do this? Because 6 p.m. is coming quick and we're gonna have to let him hang there because nobody can touch him. It's in the law. And so we fast forward in John chapter 19 and I want you to hear the story in verse 38. It says, after this, Joseph Aramaeth, a disciple of Jesus, but he's a secret disciple because he feared the Jewish leaders. He went to Pilate, who crucified Jesus, and he said, Pilate, can we have, can we remove the body of Jesus? Because they're custom, they had to hurry up. Pilate gave him permission, and so they went and they took the body away, and look at verse 39. Oh, Nick, the teacher, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisee, the works-based Salvation, the works base, seeing the kingdom of God. Nick, yeah, your boy Nick, who the Spirit of God blew him in there. Look what it says. Nick, the man who previously came to Jesus at night, which we just read in John 3, accompanied Joseph carrying a mixture of myrrh, 
also weighing about 75 pounds. I don't have time to go into that, but that is a very, 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 very expensive burial. Nick took his own funds, his own money, and he paid for this. This is, I don't have time to get into it. It's maybe Easter, we'll talk about this. Verse 40, and then Jesus, then they took Jesus' body, wrapped it up in spices, strips of linen cloth, according to the jewel burial custom, and they were trying to hurry to get him into the tomb, into the grave, before 6 p.m. on Friday. There's a couple things. Somewhere between John chapter three and John chapter 19, the Spirit of God blew in Nick's heart. And he realized it's not about works. I can't be good enough. And he realized the Spirit of God ordained that moment with Jesus. And somewhere in between, Nick finally came out. He says, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what the, the council thinks about me. I don't care what the Sanhedrin thinks about me. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. He goes and he defiles himself by touching a dead corpse, which would have made him ceremonially unclean, which is another whole big backstory of the law. But he didn't care because he you know Jesus can make him clean of the poison that runs through his veins. And so here he is, he takes Jesus' body off the cross. And the same spirit that blew Nick that night to Jesus is the same spirit that brought you here this morning. And it's for you to figure out, God, what do you wanna do with me? What do you wanna say to me? Why did you bring me here? Nothing within you wants to seek the things of God with, apart from the spirit of God. That's the battle of your flesh and your spirit. You will fight until the day that you die. That's why the apostle Paul says, the things that I don't wanna do, that's what I find myself doing in the flesh. But the things that I do wanna do of the spirit, I don't do those things. It's like my flesh and my spirit's at war with each other. I'm saved, but I've got God in me, but why do I still do these things? And that same spirit blew you here this morning at any of our campuses. Why? Why did God give you breath this morning and wake you up? Why did the spirit of God draw you here? He could have drawn you anywhere, but here, why? There's a reason, there's something specific. There's something God wants to speak to you. God doesn't waste encounters. God doesn't waste opportunities. God doesn't waste his word. In fact, it says, as it goes forth, it will never be returned with a void. What is he saying to you? Is he drawing you to himself and says, you need to believe? Put your faith and trust in me? Is he drawing you here this morning because you've been doubting him, you don't even know if he's there, and you're like, God, where are you? And you're in pain, and you think he's left you alone, but now you just realize, even though you don't hear him, sense him, or feel him, he's here because you wouldn't be here? Which that means you should leave here with your head high, going, God, you're up to something, I trust you, you're my rock, you're my refuge, you're my hiding place, where else am I to go? Or maybe secondly, God brought you here to realize, some of you, you're trying to earn your salvation. In fact, some of you are here this morning at church because you think by being in church, you please God. God, I'm trying to do the good works. I'm trying to make God happy with me. So I got up this morning and got ready and, and got here. So it may give me a check mark towards God. Like, okay, they went to church, that's good. And you got this mindset, if I'm good enough, if I work enough, if I read enough, if I give enough, if I serve enough, if I show up enough, if I don't miss ever, then God, you'll be happy and pleased with me. And there's nothing good you could do to make yourself right with God. Nick, you're born from below. I know you got good intentions and good motives. You wanna please God, so you fast, you pray, you tithe, you teach. 
you obey, you sacrifice. But that's not what saves you. It's the Spirit of God. I said this all the time, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And you need to be born again, you need to be forgiven. And so it's not, it's not Jesus plus go to church, Jesus plus read your Bible, Jesus plus tithe, Jesus plus serve, Jesus plus be a good person, that saves you. It's only Jesus. You can't earn it, you don't deserve it. That's not fair, that's not right. That's called grace. But you have been saved by grace through faith, not through works. And Nick finally got it. He finally understood it. And so one of the major roles of the Holy Spirit in our life, it's the one that applies the salvation, it's the one that draws, it's the one that saves us, comes in us, the advocate comes beside and in us and live out the principles and the ways and the will of God in our life. And today, that spirit, that God is available to you. The question is, will you choose? I'm gonna ask people just to bow your heads just for a moment. What is the Spirit saying to you this morning? Maybe he just encouraged you just to let you know he's with you. Receive it. Maybe it's just encouraging you to know that I'm having a bad day, bad week, and I didn't wanna come, but I got up and came anyway. Receive it that the Spirit draws you here. Is that not amazing? Keep your head up. He's working in you. And maybe for you, he's revealed himself to you. How, how do I receive the Spirit? How, how, do I, how do I get saved? Well, the Bible says this, that if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? From God's wrath. And if that's you today, man, write what you said to all of our campuses, whether you're watching online, no matter where you're watching this at, right now you can cry out to Jesus because the Spirit is leading you and drawing you and you can say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I repent of my sins. And I put all my faith and trust in you. Now, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, direct me, counsel me, convict me, send me, help me walk out God's purpose in my life. If that's you, just in a moment, your campus pastor or host is gonna come out and they're gonna share with you your next step to take. It's all about following Jesus. It's all about taking next steps. What's your next step to take with Jesus? We wanna help you. That's the mission of our church. Father, thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for meeting us in this place. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for drawing us here. Thank you for applying the truths of, of your word in our heart. God, what do you wanna do in our lives? May we yield to you, may we submit to you. May we surrender it all to you.
You're our helper. You're our advocate. You're our comforter. You're our counselor. You're our God. So even when we can't see, we trust. Even when we can't feel, we believe. Even when we don't know, we follow. Because we know you'll never lead us astray. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus, it's in your name we ask and we pray. Amen.